Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement, because we are going down with these ships. Congratulations, listener. You've successfully ca- cast Axio and summoned the podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to Care of Magical Shippers. You've brought us to you, to your ears. Well done. Your magic has been successful. I am Nathan. <laughs> and I am Megs. <laughs> and, and this week, we're really excited to talk to you about something a little bit different. We are going to mm-hmm. be doing... Grindledore? Dumblewald? What do you want to call it? You had a great name for it earlier. Albert. (laughs) (laughs) That's the new official ship name. I'm I'm going with it. It's going to stick. I have a feeling that's going to go viral. Albert. Best. It's like the parsley. When we came up with parsley, that was really good. I think, although, to be fair to you, I think you came up with parsley, didn't you? I did, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, you come up with all the good stuff and I'm just here for the voice. <laughs> you say that every time. I'm here because of my voice. People yeah. like so, my Just voice. The, the gratuitous British quotient. Exactly. We couldn't have a Harry Potter podcast if we didn't have some genuine British energy. So that's just... <laughs> It's just big British energy, so I'm just sat here rolling my eyes at everything. (laughs) And drinking tea. Yes, which I actually did, like, not ten minutes ago. So, you know, you could, if you're playing, you know, Care of Magical Shippers Bingo, you can take that one off the list. That should, we we probably have some great stuff to make a bingo if we really wanted to. Oh, yeah. yeah, we should make some sort of podcast bingo. That it's like, a lot like of fun. every time I say absolutely, or mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's too many of those. You would be yeah. like, uh, it's a good thing that's not a drinking game because our listeners would be plastered, like <laughs> actually <laughs> just paralytic. So anyway, this uh, this week we're going to be because the the film released recently, so we're we're thinking yes. it would be apropos to do something that discusses a ship that was big in Fantastic Beasts number 3, The Secrets mm-hmm. of Dumbledore. And yes. what better way to start that than by saying you went and saw the film last night, didn't you? I did. Yep, I went and saw it. I went and saw it yesterday, so it is bright, squeaky, you know, in in my mind. So I remember hopefully a significant amount of things. So (laughs) I should 
be good going in. But nice. yeah, yeah, saw it yesterday. And I was, I mean, I went in like kind of open-minded, like I mean, I had mentioned to you before, like I just look at Fantastic Beasts as like a separate entity in itself. Like obviously there are problems and how certain things within the magical world that were set and the rules that were set based on original canon, the books, the movies that are just completely disregarded yeah. and thrown out the yeah. window. And so I just am like, okay, I'm watching a separate thing that is similar. Like it's like it's a wizarding world thing with its own rules. So, so a separate just... <laughs> so a separate wizarding world thing with, based yes. on the characters that has its own rules. Yes. It's almost yes. like fan fiction. It's Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect for our podcast. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Oh man. So it was it was a lot of fun. I did love because I didn't know, like, I was going in prepared to be like, okay, this movie is not going to be gay enough. Like, it's just like, yeah. you know, like, it's like, it's going to elude to things. It's not going to blatantly tell us. Because you think of, like, the night the night previous, I rewatched um, Crimes of Grindelwald. And so then it had the Boo. moment that was like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> personal opinion. Um, yeah, but there's the opinion. moment. there's the moment where... The what is it? The minister, I think, comes and he's like, you, you know, you need to fight him. And he's mm -hmm. like, you know, is it because of this? It's like you were as close as brothers. And he's like, we were closer than brothers. And then you see him with the mirror of Erised. Like you have the the it alludes to it, you know, like it's like it sets the roadmap to like, OK, there was something more there between these two and most of it is because we we have it already like we know that that was something like after the books came out like jk was like oh yeah albus was gay and oh yeah that was a romantic relationship sort of thing but this one to start off the gate so spoilers for the movie if you care if you've seen it or haven't or you know there are gonna be plenty of people who just won't go see it oh yeah review the warnings before we yeah yeah <laughs> but it, i mean from the beginning it ha it's it's literally a scene of Dumbledore and uh and Gr and Grindelwald sitting down together and having that co having a conversation and Dumbledore literally blatantly says like I did it you know I was in love with you like what yeah. else could I do if you know if we we believed in something but also you were really passionate and I wanted to be there to support you ultimately and it's like the reason he made choices he did at that young of age was because he was in love with him and and that came up multiple times like it was not it was not tiptoed around so I really no. did appreciate that as far as how that was handled in the movie itself sure and um I was very interested to learn that those scenes were clipped from the film for certain international audiences um, of course they were <laughs> and yeah where it would have been politically unacceptable to, to have audience mm -hmm. li listening to that what they would call rhetoric and what the rest of the mm -hmm. world just calls a story a human story right um, so there's dubs over where he's like i was in love with you it's like you are my best friend not like <laughs> yeah <it's laughs> it like... makes me think of <laughs> it makes me think of what is it um sailor moon because the same thing happened when they did the English dub from Japanese right. to English because they were like, oh, it's a kid's show, blah, blah, blah. So they were doing, um, what is it, Neptune and Uranus. Like they were the ones that were technically rom romantically involved, like two women, um, you know, mm -hmm. couple. And I think they made them cousins, which, of course, in the show was, was, made it 
even weirder because oh. you're like they obviously have behaviors that are like I mean it's like I don't know it was very it was very odd but then you if you watched it with like subtitles it actually translated correctly but if you listen to the English voiceover then they made it not oh. be romantic between them oh yeah. that's really interesting I've never seen yeah. Sailor Moon but I'm sure there are listeners mm-hmm. nodding along furiously yep. with you like yeah uh-huh. <laughs> Um, yeah. No, but I just, I find it fascinating that this revisionist thing happens for audiences that, depending on where you're watching content, it really mm-hmm. can get quite heavily, is censored the right word? I'll, I'll go yeah. with, well, I'll go with filtered, it's less charged, right? Yeah. But but mm-hmm. it, it can, the, the same film isn't necessarily the same all the way through, depending on where you see it. And... Uh, that is such an interesting concept to bring to a ship like Dumbledore and Grindelwald because mm-hmm. they see things, they see the world from two entirely different self-edited perspectives. And I don't know mm-hmm. if we, you know, if we want to get like deep right off the bat. Um, <laughs> well, Dumbledore certainly does, but um, <laughs> but the, the the point is is that. The, the central conflict of the film really comes from Dumbledore's inability to square his uh, adoration for the man against his actions and against what mm-hmm. he's actually like. And we see this quite a lot just in, in love stories generally in film, that there's this heightened perception by you know one of the one of the two of the couple of like oh they're in a love story and nothing can touch them and meanwhile mm-hmm. you know the the outside world blazes the the one that jumps to my mind is uh star wars with anakin and padme right where yeah she is so invested in their relationship and doesn't spot until way way later on that that there have been so many red flags and so that's what yeah. this made me think of mm-hmm. and it was and it was interesting to come into it with it it already being a past thing like it was already past tense so we're dealing with the aftermath of essentially a, a breakup but one that had significant impact on two powerful men and then how that drives you know things i mean it it it's a relationship that affects the wizarding world at large which seems yeah. so crazy to think about that it's like oh like even the dependence that everyone wants to find a way for Dumbledore to be able to fight him and be the one to take him down and the reasoning behind that so that's just uh I yeah oh ooh, okay so we're it's it's jumping to the end but I'm curious what your thoughts are even though it like it kind of explained it but I don't think it was enough to me why do you think when it was deemed to be unbreakable how do you think that the blood like blood bond was able to break in that moment right so I think it was supposed to be that because Dumbledore wasn't aiming at Grindelwald and the three spells just sort of intersected that it was able to shatter because he wasn't targeting him Um, and I just don't think that was very well visually represented in that moment. Yeah, because he had said, he's like, oh, because I went to protect and he went to attack. So it was something that he was, but but there, but it doesn't make sense because if they're both affected by it, like, I don't know. And either way, hey, it's done and it's broken. So now Dumbledore can fight him. <laughs> so 
so convenience. Other th- other thing would be like love for family. You know what I mean? Like choosing family over like a previous love interest, you know, sort <laughs> of thing when he when he didn't choose them before. Like you can tell like it went into his his demons, Dumbledore's demons. And I love that Newt was there to kind of like listen. And he talked us through some of the things we knew already. But to actually see like the way Jude Law carries his emotional burdens is just so moving. Like, I just think he's done an amazing job of showing that he's like, I've moved, I've moved on from this. And I know that I will probably always, to some extent, love this person. But I can acknowledge the fact that he's not the person I love anymore. Like, he's he's someone else. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm in love with the memory of someone versus still having that love for someone. Yeah. And it's funny because when you said you were talking about the end or flashing forward to the end, I thought you were going to go to the very end. Now, I have some thoughts mm. about that last scene where um, the, the marriage is about to happen and Dumbledore is outside um, talking to Newt. Mm-hmm. And then Newt wanders back in and there's this really long shot that pans Mm -hmm. back to Dumbledore and he's sort of looking wistfully through the bakery window and then he wanders off and that's the last Mm -hmm. scene of the film. And I had some thoughts about this and I, I was talking to a friend and we really disagreed. I thought that it was a kind of, um, JKR getting digs in at the, um, not necessarily at the LGBT community, but at the, um, lamentable instability of relationships like that where it's like oh Dumbledore's on the on the periphery he's on the sidelines looking in at the heteronormative wedding because he'll never be he'll never have Mm -hmm. that happiness so we're supposed Mm -hmm. to feel sympathy for the character as a consequence of that and Mm I uh, I told this to my friend who absolutely disagreed with me and thought it was like one of the most moving scenes in the film and and thought it was a great note to end on um but Mm -hmm. i was just wondering if you had any thoughts well i guess the one uh, the one thing to kind of semi in the realm like think of it like i mean obviously it's a heterosexual marriage you're still dealing with a witch and a wizard or a witch and a muggle so Mm -hmm. it's still like a, a a forbidden you know, wedding that's still taking place, you know, within this, you know, war and stuff like that. So I loved that. I I loved that, that we got to see the, we got to see Jacob and Queenie's relationship do its thing in this movie because we were essentially, like we were devastated with Jacob and like the pain that they were both in by that choice she made in the movie previous and her being like some choices can't be undone to actually see them you know, it's it, it definitely was like a happy moment of trying to to bring that little bit of joy. But I, I definitely just what my takeaway was like, yeah, it, it definitely was Dumbledore looking in on something that it's like it, that bittersweet of like, oh, this is kind of it's definitely a calm before the next storm. Like it definitely was the end of an arc. Like I feel yeah. like because we know the next couple movies are, you know, on hiatus. It, it's a to be determined. But as far as if we're going to end for a while. This was the first like Grindelwald arc that we were able to close and we got the closure of Queenie and Jacob and and so him yeah him I don't know yeah like I focusing on him going off like yeah I don't know I guess it is him just 
ex- like accepting his aloneness because he what is it it's when they're um they're fighting finally after it breaks and it's just like them in this fog and then you know Mads is like who you know who's gonna love you now and then it's like oh you know we're alone oh that moment that moment was incredible yeah yeah so it was like oh that acceptance of like i'll just always you know be alone but also there is that bit of dumbledore that is like does celebrate happiness and wants love for other people and and sees it as obviously we see through the movies with harry potter and whatever that there's strength and power in love and Mm -hmm. so for him it's like his love power is is very different you know like he's dealing with like the power of of what's right versus you know being driven by an emotional response when normally he would kind of like have people like tell people to follow their hearts but it's like it's just so i don't know it's just such a muddy thing for that man like he has his own rules <laughs> like in, in how he does yeah no but i, I did love that ending because like i said it just it felt like it was the end of a chapter and then what we would see next would be the beginning of the because we know ultimately okay then it's gonna be dumbledore versus you know grindelwald eventually like that's the ultimate thing that they'll be moving forwards and so but yeah to see him on his own i also kind of saw it as him because of course he like he talks to to newt and it's in a very positive light of like thank you you know we saved the world and thank you for helping and newt's like i'd do it again and even with him moving on i think it was part part of it was dumbledore moving on like like being like okay that chapter is over and now i'm moving forward and i don't have that like the the blood bond or whatever it was was broken and now he is he is free ultimately like he even if he had his heart had moved on he always would have that connection to him until now like that's different so i don't know i just i definitely think it was very like a very bittersweet moment for Dumbledore but of course I didn't I mean but I I I mean I'm sure it's like you have the gay lens versus I don't I'm not always gonna pick up on those things sure sure that you would take away so I mean like I hear you and I'm like oh I could see that but also like I'm like oh I wouldn't have thought of that but I don't disagree with it but I definitely see it as like it was definitely a very wonderful powerful end regardless of the of the meaning like I did think it was a beautiful way to end the movie sure and this isn't me hating on the movie or its Mm -hmm. message at all in fact i uh one of the scenes that i thought was most powerful when was was when they were both sort of mid-duel and the action slowed down and there was this section that it panned between both of their heartbeats Mm. and i really thought when they had their hands was it the hands on their hearts on their hearts yeah (gasps) Yes, it was that they're just holding at one point, but then their hands are on each other's hearts and they're feeling each other's like breath and oh, that was just yeah. It was it was a short bit, but I absolutely yeah, I loved I loved that moment. It was so it was it was so powerful. It was a very <laughs> emotionally satisfying way to mm-hmm. tell that maturity and where mm-hmm. those characters were and that's what i would say is if you're interested in going to see the film and by the way you absolutely should because in my opinion this repairs a lot of the damage from the crimes of grindelwald mm-hmm. the second film uh if you're interested in going to see this film what's what sells it for me 
uh, and why I will continue to sort of stick up for it is that it's one of the most uh, emotional films of mm-hmm. the Fantastic Beast series. And it really made me invested in their ship. I, I left that film thinking, yeah, I see a part of myself in that. Or, you know, I see... I suppose I've always seen a little bit of myself in Dumbledore, which is why I've... Why I'm not as quick to Dumblebash whenever people mm-hmm. quite rightly point out that he's a ruthless, manipulative, power-hungry zealot, <laughs> you know? The, but the, yeah, but he's extremely grey, so you can, you know, there's a lot of wave, you know, facets to that man. <laughs> yeah, there, there are. And I like the, I like what this film does with that, where we've only really seen, you know, prior to this series, we only see Dumbledore as this, you know, sage, grey-haired, uh, you know, purveyor of selective wisdom at inappropriate mm-hmm. times. Um, but now he's a lot more, he, he, you know, he's not there yet. And he's still very, he's a lot more contemplative, I think is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And the way that Jude Law acts that is superb, as you've already mm-hmm. touched on. And when it's paired against Mads Mikkelsen, that's when this really starts to shine because in my opinion Mads Mikkelsen saves the character of Gallic Grindelwald single-handedly and turns him from the sort of pantomime villain that Johnny Depp was portraying you know this idea of magic blooms only in rare souls you know the, the second film and everything was just that bit more um menacingly calm he had this sort of measured quality to his insanity that was absolutely terrifying um Mm -hmm. and the the depths to which he was willing to go to i think in that first scene when they're in that restaurant in london and dumbledore saying i did all those things because i was in love with you then Mm -hmm. the scene is turned on its head when he says something like don't you smell the stench of the muggles around you and and I'll burn everything in their world to the ground but he says it in such a way like I feel like Johnny Depp would have delivered that in a lot more of a um a high octane way whereas Mads Mikkelsen's delivery was just like no I'm I'm so done with this other world it needs to end you know, mm-hmm. and I I bought into that a lot more because it showed that he was sort of ruthless and determined as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, I'm going to give an imposing speech at a podium, you know. Mm-hmm. And it definitely like, but it gives that, it does give a strong disconnect to who we saw in the previous movie because it was definitely like you had the manipulation point of view of dealing with people to get them to believe that it's like oh we're not better we just want to help guide them and oh queenie like don't you want a world in which you can freely marry said muggle when really obviously his goal is like muggles are obviously disgusting creatures like are less Mm -hmm. than and so mads definitely took and made it like you said like a little bit more dark and menacing versus like johnny depp gave us that like manipulative point of view not that mads couldn't have done that and tried it with a couple characters we just didn't get to see it as much it was more like oh his manipulation was established like he had his followers like now it was like putting plans in motion sort of thing 
And it was, I mean, I definitely, I like them both for separate reasons for why, you know, for, for playing that character. I mean, I just, I love Johnny Depp in general. So it's like, I did love him being a part of the Fantastic Beast thing. But I definitely agree that if he had done this film, it would have been a completely different film. Like it just like how he would have like addressed things, how he would have held himself, how, I mean, they're obviously, their acting styles are completely different. So at first it was a little disorienting just because we did get that like cold open of like, look at these disgusting muggles, which we didn't really get in the previous movie. Like we just like, Mm. we just knew that he thought that, you know, wizards should rule and is better than, but then this was him coming in and just being like, it was essentially that final chance for Dumbledore to feel like, is this an opportunity for me to see that there is still something good? Because he had that conversation like, can't you see that what you're doing is not, yeah. you know, what you should be doing? Like, it's like he was had that last, he was holding on to that last hope of him possibly being able to see reason, but he's just mm-hmm. so far gone. And when he's like, man, I can't believe we're around all these, you know, like disgusting creatures. And it's like Albus would know in that moment that it's just like, this is it. This is the end. I have to find a way to stop him. And it was, yeah, so to see, I mean, it was fun to see the like how the plan happened, like just confusing him, not everyone knowing everything that was going on, how it all came together. And and at the very end, and Bunty is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I love Bunty so much, and it's like she's so in love with Newt. And part of me is like, I ship Bunty and Newt like a lot. Yeah. Like I just feel like they're quirky <laughs> and they love animals together. And it's like Tina's like the safe one because yeah. we haven't seen a lot of her since the first movie. It's like we saw kind of that relationship in the second movie. Oh, she thought he was getting married, so of course that separated them and it didn't really move the relationship forward and then of course like I guess for reasons she wasn't really in the third movie and so then we we lost that she was just there at the very end and I just I just Bunty was there the whole time and with little things that she did and she's really invested and I don't know I just I <laughs> so tangent from Grindledore I Newt and Bunty is definitely my Fantastic Beasts OTP like it's just it, it it like Tina was just the next like the next love the next Lita and then Bunty's the end game that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When someone's loved you for eight years and a hundred and however many days. <laughs> it it well, yeah, you're quite right. But it is it is it is like um it's horrible in a way to see it be so one sided or to have Newt mm-hmm. be so oblivious. Um yes. because I definitely think uh, Eddie Redmayne plays Newt like he is on the spectrum somewhere. Like yes. he, he oh, falls absolutely. On the autistic spectrum. And that's Mm -hmm. fantastic for representation. But of course, it also means that he has to be oblivious to certain social cues. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so I I do feel it for Bunty in that she clearly loves him, Mm -hmm. but is just getting nowhere with that and and that's sort of heartbreaking in a way i mean bunty is a is a great character but um mm-hmm. she, i i do feel like she suffers as well from not really having a lot to do i mean she just um 
in this movie like orders duplicate suitcases and then mm-hmm. carries the 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 one with the chillin although i did love that line that payoff mm-hmm. when she she goes uh nobody should know everything newt or something mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. um i i will say uh with regard to like what you were saying about the shift in tone between the two grindelwalds i thought that was because when we'd seen Johnny Depp as Grindelwald, you know, being the sort of political orator, he was delivering speeches to big audiences or mm-hmm. he was like still always surrounded by people. So even when he was with Queenie, there were other people around him and he was pretty much always delivering a political message. I mean, how many politicians mm-hmm. in the world make campaign promises that they then never deliver on? I thought that was... Right quite a a prescient point that 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 the film's made but then in this film when we see Mads Mikkelsen and and Jude Law together in that first scene it's literally just them there are no Mm -hmm. other wizards and there's even that moment where the sort of uh I think there's like a mist sort of gathers around them Mm -hmm. at the start and it it you just feel like they're the only two people in that world and so in that moment He's being brutally honest with him because right. there's no one left to impress. There's no agenda yeah. left to push. He can just be truthful about what his mm-hmm. end goal actually is. And he feels like he can be that way with Dumbledore because mm-hmm. to a certain point, Dumbledore agreed with it. It was, you know, um, it was a sort of a joint thing that they were going to do. Uh, and then all of a sudden, um, probably out of the, the death of Ariana, Dumbledore mm-hmm. reevaluated his moral position on that. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I have missing from, like, well, there's a couple things I have missing from that, you know, we haven't gotten so far from, like, Grindelwald's agenda is, like, he said it, I mean, I don't, at least once, he said it at least once in the pre in the previous movie, but I don't think we got, again, the, like, statement for the greater good mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, I know, you... I, I know, I don't think they said that. Yeah, because I mean, because he immediately when he quote unquote, like won, like initially thought he won, then he immediately went into his like, all right, you know, now we're, we're it's like, all right, sweet. I have the power. We're getting rid of the muggles. We're doing <laughs> like he just like kind of went into it. He, he was yeah. he, he definitely was no longer the manipulative politician. He was just like, this is how the world is now. And but we didn't get to hear that. And then I'm wondering when the Deathly Hallows symbol comes into play because it was always said that that was Grindelwald's mark and we have yet to see that as far as I know. Yeah, it's just that double G rune. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it, that was a little bit uh, confusing and sort yeah. of lacking in continuity. But, you know, there are always going to be these little things mm-hmm. where it's like... Alternatively, like, obviously it was his goal to, like, when he was at, like, Durmsdrang. So, of course, it's like Durmsdrang students would associate that mark with him like because he carved it into things at school so maybe not necessarily was it something that he carried later on because he found the elder wand like he Mm -hmm. got the elder wand that was his goal like the most important thing for him to find so it just was yeah i don't know but it just there's those couple things that i'm like oh this is what we know him like really specific to his character that we he's just different like Mads did him different and that's just that's just the reality like he's 
they're two different actors. They're going to handle things differently. And so it's just, this is a different Grindelwald and I think more ruthless. And I think that's more, I don't, I don't know. I have like a love hate for both types of villain because it's like, you think of like someone like an umbrage that is going to talk like, talk you through things and try and convince you and or or manipulate you in a way to make you think like oh this is right whereas now he's very directly like this is what's wrong this is why we need to you know end the muggle world and this is it was it was just different it was just different I don't know that I I, I don't know I don't know if I liked it or didn't but it was just different <laughs> so I'm getting the impression that I definitely preferred Mads and you mm -hmm. definitely preferred Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because we haven't had a real split on anything before where you've massively shipped something and I've just gone, nope, or vice versa. Friendship uh, over, podcast uh, over. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I just think it's, it's really good for us to be disagreeing yeah. about something. Mm -hmm. It had to happen eventually. And yeah. I am... I, um, what what do I want to say about it? Like I'm actually like it's not a bad thing for me. I actually think it, mm -hmm. it um makes it more interesting talking about the film because obviously mm -hmm. we're going to have different opinions about that. I didn't hate Johnny Depp's portrayal, um, but I did. I feel like I said at times that it sort of strayed into pantomime villain territory, and I was. I, d I just thought, like, how do you build that character up? Like, do you know when someone goes to 10 really early and then it's like, okay, you know, but there is no 11, so how do you top that? Like, how are you going to get mm -hmm. more evil as the as the narrative goes on? But I think Mads did that because all of a sudden it just, like, it totally switched. Like, he, like, went, lost his filter and he's just, like, just, it's like, that 100% disdain for muggles just was there. Like, there was just no filter there. So I feel like Mads did do that. And I do feel like if Johnny Depp also did that, then we would get that 11 because he was sugarcoating everything before. So even though it was, like, underlying evil, getting rid of that fluff leaves you with, like, the real dangerous, you know, person, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But I... Um, I thought that the choice that Mads made in portraying him as this very almost schizophrenic character that can switch very seamlessly between mm. the mm -hmm. uh, calm, collected, serene planner to then this apoplectic villain was really... That was really clever. I mean, mm -hmm. I... Uh, loved his character of Le Chiffre in Bond in Casino Royale. And I thought that he brought some of that energy to this role. Um, and I really, one of the reasons I actually really liked that, um, that sort of dual energy is because I thought it played off of Jude Law really well. Jude Law is in this film was a lot more uh, pensive, contemplative. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more, you know, sort of gazing out of windows and looking mm -hmm. back into the past and, you know, reflecting. And that played really well against someone who is absolutely ruthlessly determined to drive home this vision of a future, future. that is mm -hmm. so polarised and so um, filled with not just hate, but a kind of desire to eradicate purely because there is this idea that the you know there's 
superiority in one race Com- or we call it a race or like a group um mm-hmm. you know that 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 the wizarding world is somehow superior and mm-hmm. um that's again one of the reasons why i'm so much more invested in them as a ship now because i feel like this built into all that and mm-hmm. i am um, i hope i do hope that we get more films because i want to see more of that mm-hmm. yeah i definitely love that i love <laughs> I well, I guess I love Jude Law as his Dumbledore. Like you, you stating all the things of what he is. Like it's just there's there's so many levels and of his character and like layers that I just I absolutely love and would love to see the untethered version. You know, because obviously most of the movie he was tethered to something he couldn't control, but could only push other people to do and make choices that hopefully would meet an end that he wished that he could do on his own that he couldn't so to see how he would handle the next chapter of things against you know against Grindelwald will be really interesting and so well and now to like so of course so now I want to get back to I mean we can obviously if there's anything else you want to touch but at some point I want to go back to like Mm -hmm. Godric's Hollow to like their childhood together so but so was there anything else movie-wise, at least in the, this moment that you can think of? I'm sure we'll touch on more movie elements yeah, as we go. We'll get there. Um, yeah. yeah, because I, I would just say that when Jude Law first appeared, I was like, this is woefully miscast. I don't understand why he's in muggle clothes. Uh, oh, why yeah. is he That's teaching? That's another thing. Like I said, like, okay, so every, all the all the Aurors wear fedoras and long, like... <laughs> Yeah. long coats and like it's like okay you know but yeah mm-hmm. but you know i love detective fiction so i sort of bought yeah. into that stylistically and i was like fair enough it's a choice um mm-hmm. but i was but dumbledore was always in you know flowing multicolored robes and mm-hmm. always had in the books anyway an elevated sense of wizard fashion yeah at least at least give him some purple and gold paisley print, you know, waistcoat or something. You know, give him Ex- something eccentric. Yeah. Like just a gray tweed basic thing was just so... I don't know if it was supposed to like reflect the like kind of like the the the, the grayed darkness in him, you know, because he's dealing with mm-hmm. some deep dark feelings. So like something more eccentric would would propose like a either like a more positive uplifting energy versus what he's actually carrying with him in that moment so i could see that but but yeah the whole what everyone was wearing was just really this is just wild (laughs) it's very different and it seems like a silly thing to pick on to be like oh so your only problem was costume but costume Mm -hmm. builds so much of the character and it builds into your perception it's world building yeah yeah, exactly. Like, we know that Harry Potter doesn't have a great history with costuming. Even if you look at the mm-hmm. Patil twins at the Yule Ball, you know, they could have worn beautiful saris mm-hmm. of any description. And in the end, they just get these generic dresses. And I'm just like, what? A, I what... know. All they needed was one person. Like, oh, could we find someone who knows, like, this sort of, like... Th- th- exactly. How, uh, 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 like they just obviously took a person who does everything and was like, oh, you have to figure out what they're going to wear too. And it's like, ah. but, you know, sometimes 
you don't like that comes down to like sensitivity in that regard that a lot of people just don't think about and it's you know you think early you know two 2000s yeah we're in the 2000s (laughs) and things like that but it's like now we have beautiful fan art and things of what they what we now know as what they would wear which is absolutely wonderful and yeah, I'm so grateful to people that fill in those gaps because it really does mm-hmm. need to happen. And representation, when it happens, needs to happen properly, which is why I flame about Dumbledore's costume because he would not wear mm-hmm. muggle clothes. But then also, I noticed it's, it's probably not something everybody would pick up on, but I noticed that there were like little twinges of Dorset in his accent, which I don't know if uh, that's something that was intentional but it's another riff on giving Dumbledore a different kind of accent because of course you had Gambondor with his Irishisms uh, and then you had Richard Harris before him and they Mm -hmm. all sound really vocally different so Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird for me to try and mentally connect them all as the same person even though I know that that's what's you know, what what has to happen for the story to work. Uh, I don't know if you find that with anything, like you were saying to me before we started recording about McGonagall being there. (laughs) I'm like, okay, so it's McGonagall's mom who also is Minerva McGonagall. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, okay, it's late 20s, early 30s, and McGonagall is a student in the mid 40s. Like, I'm just like, no it no it really and she well yeah and what was it she told umbridge that she's like what was it 29 years or 27 years or something like that that Uh she would have been she would have been teaching which was nowhere close to the 20s of course she could have done a boomerang she could have taught and then left and come Mm -hmm. back again yeah and so but like then that's how you could get around that but no i absolutely agree (laughs) with you that it's the world's biggest plot hole and Okay, so I have, this is the most ridiculous thing that I, I can't remember if it was in, it probably was in Crimes of Grindelwald, because I I think it was from that movie. It was, yeah, because Lita was, died at the end of it. So all the Mm -hmm. Lita stuff would have happened during that movie. But when Lita, like, did the spell to, like, silence that girl and, like, like, hide her mouth. I don't know if you remember that scene. Uh, she was getting made fun of. Not off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. So she silenced someone. And so, of course, a friend of the of the girl was like professor mcgonagall lita did it lestrange did it again and everyone starts like chasing her through the castle and then here oh, really? comes mcgonagall running after her with her skirts raised like lestrange get back here 100 points 200 points i was like who the heck takes 100 and 200 points for like a kid running away from doing a silencing charm on somebody it was just so over the top that i'm like this is the most ridiculous thing i mean she took 50 points they took 50 50 points from like the people who do like genuinely dangerous things like yeah. it just was it was just to hear that in the background it was just so it was supposed to be obviously like a an over-the-top dramatic thing but i'm like mcgonagall was not randomly like not gonna run after somebody and she wasn't going to take 200 points from someone like i'm just like this is right. so, this is just ridiculous <laughs> 
Oh, I love the moment when McGonagall comes to the, uh, uh, what is it, to the hog's head, and she's knocking, yeah. and then Aberforth's like, sorry, I'm sorry, Minerva, for calling you a sod or whatever. It was like, <laughs> like apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like read oh. the sign or something yeah i mm. uh, it's no uh like i don't have any specific qualms with that actress or anything but mm-hmm. it was uh it was a the fact she it was, was a, there yeah <laughs> yeah and um, when she yeah, clearly no, I, yeah i mean but you're a proponent of time travel so maybe she maybe there's some time travel shenanigans going on there who knows yeah <laughs> It's fan fiction, yeah. so anything can happen. <laughs> exactly. Dumbledore of the future told Minerva that she'd be needed in the 20s, so he sent her back to the 20s to, yeah, who knows? I need you to protect the students and the whatever. I mean, who knows? There could be all kinds of reasons. <laughs> yeah, but the the point is, the, the whole point of doing an episode like this was really to um, point out that there was a lot of good in the film about their mm-hmm. relationship. But now I'm guessing that we've sort of touched on everything to do with the film. So you mm-hmm. wanted to sashay nicely into Godric's yes. Hollow. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember like if how long they knew each other for. Because I know that like Gellert like came and was there staying with his aunt, right? Like was mm-hmm. it... um. Bagshot? Was that his Was aunt? his aunt Bethilda Bagshot? I, I f- didn't... I think it was. Because he... Yeah, because it was like... Because she introduced... Because she was close to the Dumbledores and then she introduced him... Because I think... What was it? Like he came to stay with her because he was either expelled from Durmstrang or he was sent away or something like that. I feel like... The thing is, we don't check. really know as well because all of this no. is being filtered secondhand through Rita Skeeter. Exactly. So we yeah. have to we have to take everything Rita says with a pinch of salt because mm-hmm. we know she's prone to sensationalism and you know throwing glitter on the truth or from yeah his Bethilda. great his great aunt was Bathilda Bagshot because that was one of the main reasons why Rita talked to her was because of the relationship between the two men. So, right. Yeah. So like he comes and of course like either. What is it? Yeah, just like Albus gets to know this, you know, brilliant boy and they spend time together. Because from what I can understand, like, they're kind of, even though it's Godric's Hollow, like, as far as, like, people around their age, it feels like they were rather, the Dumbledores were rather isolated from or seen as Mm -hmm. odd because of the father situation of him going to Azkaban for attacking the Muggle children. And, like, and and it's a Muggle village, right? Like, they just happen to live. Yeah, it is. In this muggle, you know, village, but they're a magical family. So for him to find someone at his level intellectually was probably very freeing and exciting for Albus, you know. So I think that that was probably a good reason why they did connect from the beginning. And Gellert had all these grand ideas and thoughts. And then you see from letters, the few letters that we see that it's like them going back and forth with very, like, plan like planning intellectual conversations of like how things would work and so it was just it's just i feel like (laughs) is intellect elvis's love language (laughs) he definitely it took him a while to to know what love was and internalize Mm -hmm. it i think and i 
he has to get to a really old age before he has a good enough working understanding of it. That's why he always says to Harry, you know, you're, you know, Harry's always like, but why is love my greatest strength whenever Voldemort right. has all of this magic and he's so powerful? And what Dumbledore's actually saying to him is, is because, you know, you have a real, like, capacity for it, whereas some people have to work their way up to it they have to intellectually understand it first before mm-hmm. they can feel it and harry's just harry just feels it you know mm-hmm. um because well harry's oblivious and he has his own issues but one of yeah. the one of the good things about harry is he's a very um fierce love first sort of person mm-hmm. and uh that i think yeah. that's something that dumbledore sees in him and is sort of you know, sees it as a lack in his in his self as well, you know? Yeah. Because, and I think what you're saying about intellect being his love language, I think his obsession with Gellert, because that's what it will have had to have been, mm-hmm. um, but was really started because, not just because he, he was this incredibly powerful wizard or good looking, but because he was like, he is suddenly someone who is someone who I identify with. And mm-hmm. because of that leap, then everything else became possible. Because you know yourself, like when you have your first crush, it's sort of more intense than everything else that follows. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you can have intense feelings, but nothing quite hits you like that first time when you're not expecting it. And I think for someone that didn't have a an advanced understanding of what we're, we're calling love for the purposes mm-hmm. of, the, of the pod, that's going to hit even harder because he wouldn't mm-hmm. have known what to do with it. And of course, I think that obviously per the rules of the wizarding world, if they hadn't had that explosive duel and Ariana hadn't died, those two would have been married. And <laughs> because you get married at that age immediately outside yeah. of school. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting to see like how something so strong could deteriorate at an in- instance because I feel like that was the beginning of Dumbledore's regret of not being present for his family, like ultimately focusing on his Aberforth like tells us about it when you know obviously in the final book when Harry and Hermione they're there and they're talking about it like he was focused on his ambitions and his goals and his dreams and all the things that he was going to do and the powers Mm -hmm. that he possessed to help and you know other people and yet his family was definitely like back you know, back burner. It was like, it was definitely Galert first and then family after. But oh, then yeah. There was the, but then the moment where when finally his sister died and it was, and what it, and even in the movie, did he say that he just like, that um, Grindelwald laughed? Like there was something that he was yeah. just, like he just thought it was silly that they were, like he laughed at Aberforth for pulling his wand and then Dumbledore did because of you know whatever and things happened and so I think it was finally the point that he realized that maybe maybe what do you think do you think it's possible that Grindelwald started from a young age with manipulating do you think he actually loved Dumbledore or he saw the weakness of him having love for him and manipulated that because we see that manipulation later on like in the movies yeah. and how he can he can get people to love him like he can manipulate people into following and loving him so i'm curious sure. if he actually genuinely loved him or if it was just like a, he was there and was convenient and he was a person that he could use that love and affection to 
reach an end. You know what I mean? Well, if you look at a lot of the Grindelwald personality traits that we can see, we know he has an overinflated sense of Mm self-importance. We know he is incredibly charismatic. We know he's incredibly ambitious and driven to the point of selfish self-interest. And these are all characteristics of, uh, at the very least, narcissistic people. Mm -hmm. And at the very most... Um, sociopaths and psychopaths, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there is a certain... So, why that's interesting is that um, sociopaths and psychopaths tend to lack empathy for other people. So, they can ape it, they can mimic it, but they can never really be genuine in their affection. And I think that's what's going on with Grindelwald. Mm -hmm. I think Grindelwald was equally excited by meeting someone on his level, but mm-hmm. to the point where he was like, oh, great, you know, uh, he has a, you know, a, a comrade in arms that, you know, we can sort of have dominion over the world together and it won't all be on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've seen and from what I infer, I don't think there was ever any real genuine affection there because I don't think for Gellert, there could be. Gellert mm-hmm. is too interested in himself. Gellert loves mm-hmm. himself. And mm-hmm. that's the saddest thing about this is that if you've ever had feelings for a narcissist, you'll know what I, I mean mm-hmm. when I say that it is a very, it's a very one-sided investment. And, you know, you come to realise that sooner or later. Um, but it doesn't, that doesn't make that any easier. Mm-hmm. Um and I said, I guess that's another thing of like that moment where they were touching hearts, and the you know the camera was panning between them. Even though Gellert is flesh and blood and very human, he acts in very inhuman ways, and it's right. his. Um, and again, I'm gonna look, rehash this quote over and over till the day I die. But that Dumbledore quote of "It's not our abilities that determine who we truly are, but our choices." You know, mm-hmm. it's on Gellert that he's making bad choices mm-hmm. because he's acting purely out of what he believes to be this altruistic, wizard-saving motivation. Because what what's going to happen? The Muggles are going to rise up and overthrow the wizards. You know, what does what does he believe the Muggles are capable of in mm-hmm. this in this scenario? You know, yeah. Um, so no, I, that was a, sorry, that was a really waffly way to say I don't believe he was capable of the love. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it was like that showed how easy it was him for, for Grindelwald to leave. You know what I mean? Like he was just like, oh, like we had our fight and we're going our separate ways and he just left and he continued on his thing. Whereas Dumbledore was left to deal with the aftermath of like his sister and then being abandoned by, you know, the, the love of his life or what he would have, you know, considered the love of his life. And it's just like, and you feel that through the movie, like how, like we hear and we feel the love that was there through Dumbledore's character, but we don't get really any of that from the Grindelwald character. Mm-hmm. Like uh, aside from him kind of like poking and prodding and almost like, almost like poking fun at Dumbledore for letting something so it's 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 another instance of potentially Grindelwald feeling like love is a potential weakness or a tool versus like where Voldemort is similar in that way of like oh to love is weakness or 
to be loved by my followers. Like that is what, you know, I deserve and am worthy of that loyalty and things like that. And so mm-hmm. I definitely think that it's, yeah, I, I completely agree that it's in the sense of con- like canon stuff, like I believe that it was very much a manipulative relationship and that it wasn't, I believe that Dumbledore was probably very much in love with him or thought he was to the extent mm-hmm. of, you know, a teenage whatever. But I don't think Grindelwald was capable of. Or if he was, like even if there was that bit, it obviously wasn't enough for him to choose Albus over something else. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So yeah. it's like his love wasn't as strong. Like it was just, it was like, and it could have been fleeting. Like, it was just like, oh, you were there. It was convenient. We had plans. And then once they were apart, it was like he might have been like, well, bummer, he's not here. But, you know, like, you're just like moving on yeah. with his life sort of thing. Whereas Albus has carried it, you know, obviously had, you know, at this point, 40 some odd years of like of this past thing that still obviously affects him to a really strong degree. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think it would have been a more interesting choice to see a side of Gellert that was looking back on the relationship with rose tinted glasses and having that empathy Mm -hmm. and genuinely being loving and then seeing the, the moment where that shifts? Because I think that that would that would humanize him in a way that we didn't get with like Tom Riddle and Voldemort. Sure. Like yeah, they that was a character that was like okay, a hundred percent lacked empathy and just for the sake of like a lot of there were a lot of people that were lesser. Like if you weren't pure blood, if you weren't you know Muggle, whatever. Like he just didn't have. It was a hundred percent manipulation. So it's like you can see those in Gellert, but I feel like to have a villain kind of like we do see with an Umbridge character of like, okay, this is someone you've seen in real life, which of course we do, we have seen in the past as far as someone coming into power with ideals and values that were very much skewed and like unforgivable and yet people followed them anyway. Like to have that bit of like, even just like a slight tint to show a little bit of humanity in that person that either it existed and it like died as he got, you know, like it was forgotten. Mm -hmm. But back then, like him actually acknowledging like, I did love you, but then things changed and other things were more important and like, and you were a different person. So how was I supposed to love that? You know what I mean? Like, it just like, who knows? But I just, I think that it would make him a more dynamic character in that way to be another way he'd be different from like just being like like oh there was also another dark wizard that was named Grindelwald like if he was a little bit more human over we definitely look at Voldemort as as very barely human you know what I mean yeah yeah although with Tom of course you have the added thing of like he was conceived with a love potion so the so he was never going to be capable of love because the the father was under an enchantment and it was all very um like sketchy um and we don't really have very much of Gellert's history um i do agree with you that it feels a little bit easy to have 
another villain who's just lacking in empathy and mm-hmm. out for themselves when that could have been a lot more of a human story. I definitely think they were in lust with each other. I definitely think there was a lust there because I can see that in the way the elder Dumbledore lusts after the Hallows and lusts after power in that way. And I think certainly that will that's something that's mirrored in Gellert. Um, mm-hmm. And I can see the sort of the intensity with which they approached everything to be lusty in that same way. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know, I as to how far they loved each other, I'd say if there was love in that relationship, it was a one-way street. And, you mm-hmm. know, Dumbledore was projecting onto Gellert to use a, a, mm-hmm. a, a well-trod turn of phrase. But Yeah, and who is to know that, like, they were actually, like, in any way, like, truly intimately involved because like you can obviously have like deep love for a person without actually like oh like you like you're in love with them but it's like oh I haven't actually kissed him or been with him intimately Mm -hmm. but that doesn't devalue how much I love you know love that person and so it's like like we don't we don't know how intense that really was for them like at you know at that age it very much could have like you said even just the one-sided of him believing and being told love and being shown in other ways but then either it was something that you know Gellert was able never able to like give him more because he wasn't actually you know like I don't I don't know we just don't know we just don't know we can make up with all these different things about you know what about their relationship back you know at that time and I don't know. Yeah. Um, So how good of a love story is it? How convinced are you by the ship? Well, I mean, I like that it exists because it's, it's, it gives us that view into when, when love doesn't have that happily ever after. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't, it could be and absolutely could have been a true love story, but then obviously either the feelings of, of making choices of what was right over just going along with someone because you're in love with them. So it's like, it was a way to kind of give a little bit of our own empathy and sympathy to Dumbledore's character to show that like he did live his life carrying a lot of burdens and loss being like regrets with family and things like that and actually having this this love that perhaps he carried as like would always have been his only love and having to defeat him and put him in you know put him in prison and all that stuff like that man has had a really complex you know lifespan Mm -hmm. of things that happened to him and so that obviously like affect who he is as a person but I don't know like I I guess I'm definitely not convinced that it was real you know like I'm not convinced that Gellert was actually invested and if he did love him it was definitely very fleeting and very weak and it was something that like he could even internalize as something like it was something he could walk away from obviously versus mm-hmm. like you know which plenty of people make that choice like even if sure. it is like like even in our everyday lives like you could be with somebody and you could really love them but then find that there's something really toxic about the relationship and you know that is even if you do love them to whatever extent you do if you stayed where you were with who they are 
it's not good for you. So it like it showed the opportunity to literally walk away from something versus like I feel like Grindelwald abandoned whereas Albus was like forced out of it but then realized that it was probably the best thing to happen to him. Yeah. And and he did make the choice to stay behind. I'm sure he could have followed him. Like he could have probably gone after him or whatever and then never chose to because I don't think that they met again until like decades later, right? Like they hadn't even interacted since he left Godric's Hollow. Yeah. Yeah. So so that had to be a really um, brutal awakening Mm -hmm. to the truth of that situation. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, any death is going to, any death on anybody's shoulder is going to be mortifying. But Mm -hmm. I think to to have Albus realise that, okay, because of his actions and his hubris, he's caused this, at least in part, uh, I think that uh, is then what drove him to be like okay how am i not gonna do this again and Mm -hmm. you know we see when gambondor is in the cave with harry and he's drinking the potion and they Mm -hmm. have the you know kill me scene you know Mm -hmm. that that that's still um being motivated out of the guilt of seeing ariana die you know all those years later so it is still haunting him throughout his life Mm-hmm. And I, I I suppose my question to you is, would you rather conceive of an AU where Albus and Gellert did get together in some fashion, or would you rather see Albus with somebody else? <sighs> um, oh, geez. <laughs> That's really... I mean, of course, it's like when I think of Albus with someone else, then it comes into it's like, okay, who would that be? Would that mean like an original character? Which not that I'm not convinced by original characters. I just don't necessarily read them very often. But like, yeah, thinking about like who, I don't know, like who he would be with. But it's like, I, I would like to think that there could have been a time, depending on how much time there were together, to like, if if it started out as very innocent and definitely like strong f- friendship and then love grew from it and then, and then the darkness came in later. Like it was like, oh, I started thinking these things and it's like, oh, let's look into it. And it gradually turned into something more toxic. So it had like this really strong foundation of their relationship Mm -hmm. when they first met i don't i don't know but i'm like trying to think it's like as far as an au like yeah that would be taking i mean well we do that with a lot of fanfic of like oh voldemort next (laughs) voldemort never existed like so it's like if like if we don't care about literally anything to come afterward like I like I just need to read more of them but I and I know that there's a fic that I didn't it's been on my list forever and I meant to read it before this episode I just didn't have time but it was like a letter fic of like them writing each other over the years so it was like Mm -hmm. them actually staying in contact and which I think is you know to have to give some substance to their relationship versus like oh he left and then we they didn't see each other again until pretty much like the great battle of them facing off you know what i mean like and there are other ways for them to communicate as well i mean dumbledore Mm -hmm. i think pioneered that whole talking patronus thing or at least taught Mm -hmm. the order how to use the talking Mm -hmm. patronuses so he had to have been aware of it whether or not he was aware at a a young enough age to communicate Mm -hmm. with Gellert we don't know 
But they have, you know, just because they're not seeing each other, it's like now where, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're we not physically in a room with one another, mm-hmm. but there are other ways we can communicate. I have to think that there are magical means for that as well. Right. It's a bit of a pathetic excuse to go, oh no, but they never saw each other. So nothing happened, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like those memes, those, uh, you know, where they go, <laughs> the, the, like they take um, uh, a character from... Uh, myth or legend and they go after so and so died uh, his best male friend wept over his tomb for three days and then historians underneath go so were they best friends (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and it I think and then I think that that like waters down it just like the, the more I think about canon stuff with these two it literally is like it just waters down the importance of the relationship other than just this random fleeting summer romance that it's like that was just one of the several things that haunted albus you know like i don't i don't know that i can come away as like this if things had gone differently that they actually were in love or it would become something else but I definitely would read a story that was different in that way of like of it being like him showing up and that like meet cute of like oh this is my great nephew and then like that like oh my gosh he's you know he's gorgeous and oh he's so smart and it's like and he's funny and whatever and it's just giving you that cute like summer love thing would be really fun to to read for them and and that potential there like I don't know but as far as like Dumbledore it definitely makes me sad that from what we understand like Dumbledore didn't find someone else like it yeah was, he just I don't know that he he just carried so much regret and I feel like it's sad that he either he didn't think he deserved happiness that he needed to to carry the pain with him and just have that be what you know what he holds and it's like I just it just that makes me really sad you know what i mean like it just mm-hmm. that makes me that sad to think about yeah it definitely is it's really sad because we he doesn't get that closure he doesn't mm-hmm. get the closure that i go on about every single episode of like <laughs> i want my characters to end somewhere happy yeah um, he never gets that because mm-hmm. yeah you can say oh it's because he's feeling guilty because of you know the Ariana thing or Mm -hmm. because he's still hung up on this love that will never be fulfilled you know Mm -hmm. but um I think he thinks it's because of some defect in him that the the power hungriness of his you know Machiavellian tendencies he sees as his biggest weakness and that it tends to overrule everything else that he does so I don't think he thinks he's worthy of the kind of love he wants other people to have. And that's probably Dumbledore's biggest, you know, character. Well, I don't want to say flaw, but hang up, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he could definitely be someone, like, as we see of how he disregards family, like, he could, to some extent, be have narcissistic qualities. So it, like, was easy for him sure. to cut off emotion for his family until it was something that he literally had to, to like deal with head on. Like he was there and saw his sister essentially hit the floor. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was it'd be easy for him to disassociate 
like who knows that he like he talks about like oh I cared for Harry and I wanted what was best for him at the but at the expense of literally a bunch of other people like it was literally <laughs> like I want Harry to be happy until he has to die and but of course I'm gonna manipulate a bunch of other people that's gonna affect them in a negative way just so that Harry can have you know some limited happiness or whatnot and so i don't know that and even harry you know even his love of harry that's questionable from the get-go yeah. because yeah. who leaves a baby in the dead of night on a doorstep in the he freezing d- cold like I, I like nobody no one claiming to love harry that much yeah would also have put harry through that much stuff or at least see i could even see through that if at any point in the books he'd gone, now listen, Harry, here's the, the skinny, you know, the, the sitch is that you're a horcrux, if you're an mm-hmm. unintentional horcrux, here's what that means, here's what you've got to do, I'm sorry, but those are the breaks. But no, <laughs> all the way through the books, he's just like, that's that's not appropriate for this time, yeah. uh, I'll tell you later, um, <laughs> I'm going to go off to Bermuda, I, yeah. you know, I'm... Who knows? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know why Dumbledore felt the need to string him along and play mm-hmm. him for a fool for so long, unless he thought, in a, you know, typically misguided way, that not giving him the information would be better because of the whole legitimacy thing. But even that mm-hmm. is a flimsy, a flimsy argument that doesn't hold up, um, yeah. because, you know, uh. His, well, his just his even his appointment of staff in the school tells you something about how much he actually cares for the kids yeah. under his duty of care. It's not it isn't the greatest. So yes, I have a lot of sympathy for Dumbledore that he, he never finds the love that he needs. But also, he isn't really he doesn't really demonstrate love to a degree that I find is acceptable for a Mm -hmm. socially balanced adult like yes of course it's fiction and you need people to be elevated and all the rest of it but you also like i wish he just had someone in his life to be like hang on a minute that decision is totally garbage he didn't have any there was no checks or balances with albus dumbledore like everyone saw him as this great wizard this strong wizard this good wizard so there was Mm -hmm. no one to counterbalance him like even other than the fact of like us giving him like props for like oh i never wanted to be minister of magic i never wanted to be someone in power but also it's like oh but being headmaster of Hogwarts does have, you know, some semblance of like power and influence on, on things. And so, yeah, I just, I think that the problem that we see even through the, the series is like, if Dumbledore says, trust it, you know, like even in the movie, we get that of like, Dumbledore says, do what's right and what's not easy. And the guy's like, like, you know, the whatever air, whatever, like who, who used to be the whatever the the, the ultimate wizard king i don't remember what it's called (laughs) the ultimate um... wizard king (laughs) (laughs) i love that role what's your job oh i'm the ultimate (laughs) wizard king how long have you been in post (laughs) well i had a crown and scepter made a while ago (laughs) 
Oh. But uh, but yeah, it's like it's there's a there's a bit of arrogance there to to think that just because he said that someone will do, you know, like even even with the plan to through this last movie, like everyone just had to go in, like oh dumb. He he just says to what is it? Um, Theseus is that Newt's brother? Yeah, Theseus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like even like Dumbledore says to him, it's like you know you're just gonna have to trust me, even if everything is telling you not to. Like you need to trust me. Like there's some there's a lot of arrogance in that to expect someone to not question you. So it's like. That's just, yeah. like, And also, never forget as well, that these are... So he's headmaster of Hogwarts. Now, he has influence over the magical minds of kids from age 11 and up. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of instances like that, like where he's talking to Theseus, that's coming from a position of like, I used to be your teacher, so you'll listen to mm -hmm. me. And there's something very... Like, I always used to think, oh, yeah, it was really noble of Dumbledore not to go after the minister job, but just to stay on at Hogwarts because he loved to teach. But there's mm -hmm. something almost more sinister in staying in teaching because mm -hmm. it says something about, like, he doesn't trust kids to develop on their own without his influence and his moral like view on the world. And the, the reason I say that is, if you think back to... Um, the end of the fourth book, whenever he's giving the speech about Cedric and mm -hmm. saying, you know, that um, we'll have to unite within the castle walls because forces outside of them are conspiring to divide us. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a very relevant speech and its message is pertinent, but consider who it's coming from. Consider who couldn't even unite the warring forces in himself who mm -hmm. still went after the hallows and ultimately you know we're left to think what sort of moral authority is dumbledore on anything actually whenever he's like weak to these temptations and these negative influences himself mm -hmm. yeah no that's very true <laughs> but like i still like i despite all of that i i still like him as a character and i think that's testament to his character and to some degree to the performances of the actors even though as you know i'm not a big fan of gambondo just in yeah. my personal opinion mm -hmm. um but it's that thing of someone can be so weighted down under their own hang-ups but still un ultimately be a a lovable character and i still think he is lovable despite mm -hmm. The, all the rest of it because I think he thinks his motivations are good and that's mm -hmm. I'm not saying that redeems him but it colours him in a way that like he's not being he doesn't believe he's being ruthless because he wants to position people like pieces on a chessboard the way Voldemort would he mm -hmm. thinks he's doing it because he has a better understanding of the way the world works paradoxically because he's outside of it you mm -hmm. know because he's the great outsider who's never had that true love experience mm -hmm. you know he's like so i know how people can be manipulated so i'm going to formulate the grand strategy to fight evil but i still think he is there's there's good in him to use a sort of a star warsism with you know luke mm -hmm. and his father and all that yeah and yeah 
And you think about it, like Fudge still would like write letters to Dumbledore. So it's like Dumbledore yeah. still had, you know, that influence. And then wasn't he like he was on the Wizard Mott? Like he was the, yep. the head of the Wizard Chief Mogwump. Yeah, like he had a lot of influence. And you think about like influence on a school, like you're molding the minds of the future that would be governed. So it's like you're you're molding versus dealing with what exists. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. They're just, Dumbledore's so gray. <laughs> He's so gray. Yeah. And the thing <laughs> is, the the reason I like to bring him up a lot, I suppose, is because he is my Snape. He is what Snape mm. is to you, mm-hmm. to me. Where you, I know you love Snape and you have, like, well, go and listen to Snape chat for <laughs> further information if you don't believe me. Megs has a lot of thoughts about Snape. Um, <laughs> and similarly, I have a lot of thoughts about Dumbledore, but I think it took me a while to get to the point where I appreciated Snape as a character because there Mm -hmm. were moments where I didn't genuinely believe he was trying his best. I just thought he was trying to, you know, have his cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. Now I see that differently through having, you know, talked to you and through having listened to Snape chat and stuff. Um, And I suppose, you know, there have been equal and opposite reactions to Dumbledore. But the, the great thing about these grey characters, and I think it's why we keep coming back to them, is because they're so grey and because you can take them one way or another, that also gives you licence as a reader of fanfic, as a writer of fanfic, Mm -hmm. to do what you want with those characters. Um, It gives J.K. Rowling licence to write Fantastic Beasts with Mm -hmm. the characters, you know. Um, And I, before I watched the film, this film... I didn't really, I was nowhere near as invested as in the Dumbledore-Grindelwald relationship. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this film has cemented for me, purely mm-hmm. because of Mads Mikkelsen and Jude Law, has cemented for me the idea of their, um, if not their relationship, then the emotional intensity of their sort of mutual hatred like mm-hmm. what that what the relationship has left behind mm-hmm. and i suppose this is a really weird place for our episode to be because we <laughs> normally go like how much do you love the ship or how right. much are you invested in them and with this because we're dealing with something that's in the past concretely you mm-hmm. can't be invested in them because you know that they don't end up together canonically right. Even though there is an AU somewhere where mm-hmm. they're both on a beach in Hawaii with massive <laughs> cocktails, you yes. know, yes. Um, just shading themselves under a big tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or um, literally being, both being the, the what, what did I even call them? The ultimate wizard kings. Yes. <laughs> together, together. <laughs> just like one has the tiara and one has the scepter and they'll they'll like switch between them oh man yeah yeah <laughs> and, and i can see dumbledore being like today i'm gonna be the ultimate wizard queen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and prancing yeah it's yeah. uh that would that would be a look and that's also why Dumbledore needs multicolored robes, clearly, mm-hmm. because he needs to swish the robes. The, mm-hmm. the look needs to be complete, please. Like, <laughs> I, I just need that to fit within my fantasy. Please and thank you. And if you are in a fan art mood and you do want to draw me some, like, decent Dumbledore outfits, 
Yeah. Fire those at me, please. That are not grey, yeah, muggle suits and Yeah, right, because even Dum even Gambondor has his grey fez and his mm-hmm. grey bathrobe with the tassels. And I I'm just mm-hmm. like It's literally a uh, sheet with arms. Yeah, and then he has <laughs> and then he he has like his carpet slippers. It's not a it's not a good look, is it? <laughs> It's just like they got the wardrobe for Mrs. Fig and just went, we'll give that to Dumbledore. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I definitely agree in the fact of like this movie made me invested in them for sure. Whereas before it was like, oh, okay, we read about this possibly being a thing when they were younger, but it didn't, there was no emotional driver for me to like really like be invested or care about it. But to, I think it definitely, yeah, to see, to see it. To see it played out for me and the and the emotions behind it with those two actors and the characters, like it really was like, oh, like it makes me, it bro- broke my heart to think that mm-hmm. that was a love lost, you know, especially because I, I could see that there was still a very strong love on Dumbledore's end of things, but he just, he knew that they were on different paths and just had to accept that, so... If I hadn't seen that, I, like, yeah, like, even in the second movie, like, the only thing that I had to kind of emotionally move me was the moment that Dumbledore was looking into the mirror of Erised. Like, that was kind Mm -hmm. of it, of, like, seeing him and them as as young boys and then actually see, like, Gellert as, like, true to time there. And so it's like he's still obviously has that you know that present love and desire to have and be with you know that person be that like romantically or for for him to make a choice to not move in the direction that he was concurrently like on the trajectory of you know what i mean so but Mm -hmm. yeah this the movie definitely did it for me too but you have to wonder in the mind of dumbledore what's going on there because He's clever enough to know that there are even plenty more wizards in the sea. You know, he's clever enough to know mm-hmm. that he needn't just... Like, because he's seen countless love stories mm-hmm. around him all the time. So he knows it's possible. And I have to wonder if it's like a choice, a conscious choice he's making to be like, no, because I messed up so badly, right? I clearly, I don't want to do that again. But it's almost like cutting off your nose to spite your face because mm-hmm. you have to wonder if he'd made the choice to love somebody else, would his character have turned out differently? You know, mm-hmm. would he still be teaching at Hogwarts at 150? Mm-hmm. Um, or would he be, you know, uh, taking time off to spend more time with his remaining limbs? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I And you'd, you'd have to imagine that... Being like you think of Dumbledore and how how he has the Order of the Phoenix. He has people that follow him, that love him, that trust him. Like there mm-hmm. had to have been people who fell in love with him. Like there had to oh, have yeah. been through his lifetime of of having that and either made the choice to not. Or maybe he did have an alternate love story that, that happened and he could have spent potentially 50 years with someone and then lost another love or whatever and but then you still like we kind of said before it's like you don't forget your first like you still 
that's going to still have an effect on you or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, he's he's the person who's like, people look up to him. You know, if we're going off of the Jude Law route, extremely attractive. Like, it's just like, there's no way. Like, apart from like whether anyone knew that he, you know, that he was like a gay man that, you know, at least there were tons of women who were like all about Albus Dumbledore. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There has to have been in his life opportunities for mm-hmm. other happiness that he didn't pursue. Is what yes. you're saying? Yeah, opportunities. And yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I am frustrated with the character for that. That frustrates me because he is clever and wise enough to know that that's possible for him and he is actively not pursuing that which Mm -hmm. then is a choice and then makes me you know less sympathetic to his uh, self-imposed what's the right word here chastity abstinence (laughs) something (laughs) uh anyway you know what i mean i just he's (laughs) he's cut himself off from that side of himself and Mm -hmm. that feels um damaging and hurtful and that i suppose this is why i would like to see dumbledore with somebody that could make him happy i say Mm -hmm. this about every ship um but i do think uh certainly a younger dumbledore could have been Mm -hmm. i don't know if the the older dumbledore we see by the time we get to the likes of harry's sixth year Mm -hmm. you know um like by that stage he's made too many choices he's gone down too many roads he's become too committed i i think um but but certainly a younger dumbledore maybe even a dumbledore coming off the back of the end of the war with grindelwald could have made other choices and i would love to see i don't know i'd love to see an au where we see him with somebody else Mm -hmm. um uh, you know maybe we see him with somebody in the ministry maybe it's an oc there aren't really enough potential Mm -hmm. interests for him that we know because it's so set up that he has to be in love with grindelwald so i get Mm -hmm. it but it makes it harder to visualize who that would be who the who the the sort of the stabilizing influence for him would be Mm -hmm. yeah no i just now i need to look i need to look and just Albus Dumbledore and I don't know I'm gonna have to look and see what has been written for him because yeah I want him to have something (laughs) he needs to have something (laughs) well even like if he got together with Theseus I wouldn't be mad about it Mm -hmm. actually yes Absolutely. And I know there's the slightly weird thing of like he obviously taught Theseus at Hogwarts right so but he's Did, the head of the aura department, so he has to be significantly ha- a decent of a decent age. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it might be like a ten year age difference if you think about it, which isn't you know. No, which that's then it's not, like, that... but yeah, but did it Newt? But yeah, no, that doesn't make sense either. I don't know because <laughs> then he would no, because then no, I guess just Dumbledore would be a young teacher, so yes, it would be fine. But it's just. <laughs> Yeah, so it might not be so bad. But uh but no okay, I love I love that because <gasps> they mutually come together out of the dramatic loss of their love. Oh my goodness. Yes. The love, the love of Dumbledore's life took the life of the love of you know, supposed love <gasps> of the life of Theseus. Oh, that's perfect. 
You've just tied that <laughs> ship up with a great big bow and I'm here for it. So a ultimately, we've gone on this journey to tell you all about Grindelwald and Albus Dumbledore and how they don't work just to end up with Theseus and Dumbledore. The end, <laughs> that is where... <laughs> This is where we're at, people. We have we have discussed the ship, and now we are at the ship of all ships. <laughs> Coming next time. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, now I can't unsee that. Oh, that's so lovely to picture. I love that. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. But again, you know, other characters are available. If you have different headcanons mm -hmm. for who Dumbledore should end up with, send those to us as well. Mm -hmm. um, careofmagicalshippers at gmail.com yes. will find either one of us. Somebody. One of us will yeah. be there. <laughs> we both see the emails anyway. It's just a question of who gets to reply first. But yeah. yeah right, we'll... exactly. Yeah, so definitely. Oh, and we'd love to hear what you think as far as like for Grindledore, like, do you feel like it was real love? Do you feel like there's, you know, a foundation of something true and real there? Like, what do you think albus's feelings are versus grindelwald's feelings like it's obviously can go any which way we'd love to hear what you think and what how you feel about this pairing because there's just a lot of different ways that this can go so yeah yeah all right well i think we yeah we 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 hit a lot of stuff with these <laughs> with these two and yeah. now i can't stop thinking about dumbledore and these <laughs> Because now, now I'm picturing the moment where he, like, asks him to trust him. Like, in that yeah. moment where he approaches him and he, like, has a hand on his shoulder or something. Like, that's their moment. That is when their love starts. So this is, their, this is the beginning yeah. of their love story. That spark of electricity. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's oh. so true. Oh, my gosh. So good. Because obviously he's available. His fiance's dead. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible but also yes <laughs> okay so i need to i need to make a comment that it's like okay credence my dude what are you eating that your beautiful luscious hair grew so quickly <laughs> uh, over the yes. span of whatever it was like a year or something like that that yeah. had gone in between and i'm like dude how could you I, I, it took two years of a pandemic for it to reach my shoulders like i don't know what <laughs> And and my and I had length to my hair to begin with, and he starts with super short, and it's just like this long, I know. whatever. I know. But I just thought it was. Really but funny. he, there were moments <laughs> where he was definitely channeling Snape in that film. Yeah, it, it was. It was like Snape it. levels of hair. Yes. Yeah, I know you did. I, I, I watched it. it. And I thought Megs is gonna love those scenes. Oh, it was literally feel. It was like strong young Snape energy, and I was so here for it. And <laughs> it's like, and he's equally like as tormented and broken, and like just yeah, anger and whatever. And I'm just like, yes, yes. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness! But and there was so much like I because I was like, how are they gonna? round out that story like how because it, is it just going to be like credence goes and tries to assassinate him and it's really dull and dumbledore thwarts him easily but there was such an interesting like visual that they did where like the whole rest of the world falls away oh, and yeah. then dumbledore like 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 blasts him away but like gently into mm -hmm. the puddle and then like it was so delicately done it was it could have been so mishandled and mm -hmm. i thought that was really well executed yeah nope i loved i loved that i loved that figuring out who he was and it not 
you know, I mean, I just, of course he's Aberforth's son. Like, of course, and of course, like, Dumbledore wouldn't have known. Like, I loved the moment when he's like, if I had been a better brother, maybe he would have confided in me and maybe things would have been different. And so mm -hmm. it's just, and there's another thing for Dumbledore to carry with him to feel like he's responsible for his brother not knowing his son or like, you know, I mean, it's just, oh man, so much drama, drama, drama. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you were here for it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, this was this was so much fun. Like this was great to it, talk about. Yes, yeah. This was. I'm not a. I wasn't to talk about fantastic Fantastic Beasts in this way was actually really fun because I didn't. I uh, yeah. I just overall I was like not super invested in it. But now that I'm like, I acknowledge it as something separate from with its own like we said rules and and world. Yeah, and. uh like an, an AU wizarding world, essentially. And uh, yeah, I just, this was fun. I really liked it. And I'm, yeah, now I'm totally in search of Albus Theseus fan fiction. Like that's literally what I'm going to be looking up for once we're done recording. Or writing it, let's be real. Oh, man. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so in love with them now. I'm so sorry, Grindelwald. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Well, you know, he had his chance. He, he had did. his chance and he was like, he who up. will love you now, Dumbledore? Theseus, that's yeah. who. <laughs> Theseus will. Theseus will. He's already like 10 times and the then, man you are. <laughs> and then Theseus just sort of flounces up and he's like, that's right. <laughs> oh, just, I you know, that. his robes billowing around him. Oh, that would have been a fantastic scene. Mm. Okay, I see Theseus as the sort of Draco Malfoy in that in that scene where he's like you know fanfic draco malfoy with the cape and the boots mm -hmm. yeah, that, yeah that that's definitely that moment mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but i i like i really enjoyed talking about this film with you i mm -hmm. was not optimistic about the third fantastic beasts because i was not a fan of the second one mm -hmm. um and then i came away from it thinking actually for the most part, I really enjoyed this film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And getting to like discuss Dumbledore with you, who's one of my favourite characters, and talk <laughs> about the the ship with him and Grindelwald. Like I've I've been wanting to do this for a while, so it was really um like I was just super excited. For yeah, this. it was perfect and timing to do it. When you came up with the idea, I was like, of course we're going to do that. Why wouldn't we do that? It just makes so much sense. And I'm so glad that I saw it literally yesterday because that just, that made all the difference. So, because knowing my brain would just be like little bits and pieces would have been left there unless I watched it, you know, more than once or whatever. And so, but yeah, um, so, well, so kind of like mini announcement that maybe won't be relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, my house is going to be under renovation for like three to four months. So hopefully I can find da, da, times. Da. <laughs> so we're hoping to find times that I can get back into recording and doing episodes and things like that. So possibly this may not even matter, but I just wanted to let everyone know if like scheduling gets a little bit wonky and different or some, you know, Nathan might have to do an episode with like a guest or something like that. That's why I'm not gone. It's just I, I'm living with my parents and I don't know if Harry Potter porn is what they want to be listening to. <laughs> 
so it'll uh it'll be it'll be an interesting time so i'm excited but also like it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole thing so bear with me i i'm either still here or i will be back and we'll just we'll see what happens (laughs) from here on out so yeah yeah i'm sure you know we'll have more announcements about that as and when things happen but just generally you should know that like we might have to go on a little hiatus or Mm -hmm. i might come back with a guest or Mm -hmm. you know something some things may change depending on circumstances but we trust that you'll bear with us because you've stuck with us for the rest of this Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. and Megs isn't going anywhere and I'm not going anywhere it just might get a bit weird yes exactly so end of announcement end of announcement (laughs) (laughs) but anyway uh, but yeah so thank you for listening to these rambles let us know what you think about Theseus and Dumbledore because that's about right now bunty and newt whatever you want to talk you know to talk about and whatever and definitely send any wrecks if you know of anything that it is like dumbledore and an alternative love interest like we'd love we'd love to you know to to get any and all wrecks so definitely email those to us and or send them via telegram or anything like that so nathan's having the time of his life chatting with people on telegram i oh i definitely definitely am like that is my jam Mm -hmm. i love using my voice because it means i don't have to type because typing Mm -hmm. is not i can do it but i'm not the world's fastest typer Mm -hmm. so if i can chat to you i'm like yes i don't have to actually like make words appear i can Mm -hmm. just speak Mm -hmm. things it's good um so also if you want to send me any theories about how aberforth's child credence randomly ended up as an orphan in america Mm. when he had when credence was supposed to be the child of um, him and a muggle girl from the village, I, I think. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but then randomly he's in New York in the twenties. What to say twenties? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't That's they? Right, say, uh, well, no, because they were the reason why Queenie and Jacob came to London was because they were more quote unquote tolerant of Muggle and. You know, so I was thinking, I was like, oh, it'd be a forbidden match of like, oh, it's an, you know, a forbidden child and to be with a muggle and then to, you know, whatever. And I don't know. But obviously there was some reason why she was going to America with the child without him. And yeah, that'd be, yeah. Why? Why did that happen? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Mm -hmm. Um, But send me your conspiracy theories about that because I'm really... (laughs) interested and i want to fill that plot hole um but i also really liked that we did get more credence backstory because i was mm-hmm. worried that they were gonna like Keep not it. give us that detail mm-hmm. and then they did and so that that was at least something that i i was satisfied by um but i feel like i've waffled on long enough <laughs> now we should probably get to that bit where i awkwardly say bye say and then it like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so anyway thanks for listening like always until next so time um yeah we'll 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 be here when we're here next <laughs> yeah we have a we have a couple of episodes banked anyway so you'll yeah. hear us both at least for the foreseeable um but the but if and when things change we'll let you know all right and bye <laughs> bye for now bye for see you now. soon <laughs>
a classic awkward goodbye. So now that you've finished enjoying that episode, I bet you're wondering what we're going to be talking about next time. Will it be a ship? Could it be a trope? What about a character-centric episode? Editing Megs, put the listeners out of their misery. Next time, we'll be focusing on... Hermione Granger and Fleur Delacour. So come back to enjoy that at your earliest possible convenience. But, you know, preferably sooner rather than later. Because we do make it so you listen to it. And we hope you enjoy it. Remember your Gunkle Nathan's advice. Be kind to each other, manage your mischief, and we'll catch you in the next one soon.